was, that thing was praising, hey, there we are. That thing was praising Jesus like crazy. Uh, so I'm going to have some competition from the cricket and you guys this morning, and we're a little lopsided. I was noticing this from the back. I'm like, what happened over here? Or over here, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, good morning. Welcome to Signal Church. My name is Tyler. If you're new here, we want to welcome you. Um, also want to let you know I am not the pastor here. Uh, Darren and his, his wife, uh, Jenny, are away at a, a, a pastor's and, and their wife's retreat, which is great. Um, but I am one of the deacons here and kind of better known as the sound guy, uh, which is why I knew all about the vocal groups back there. <laughs> so um, if you guys have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Philippians, and we're going to be continuing on this series that we've been doing called Joyful. Um, it's, you know, we're going to get there in a minute, but if you just want to go ahead and, and get ready, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. And I'll, while you're turning there, um, and we'll also have it on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you or your smartphone or whatever uh, device you use, but while you're getting there, I just want you guys to take a minute, maybe close your eyes if you need to, just get comfortable and, and think. And I want you to think really hard for a second about the most prideful, selfish person that you have ever met. Go ahead, just, just think about it. Maybe envision that, that thing that they did that, that made them feel so prideful to you. You guys got, got that person in your mind right now? You can open your eyes if you need to. So... If that person that you're thinking of is anyone other than the one sitting in your seat right now, then that's what we're going to be working on this morning. <laughs> uh, because, because we are all prideful. We are all selfish. It's something that affects every single one of us in one way or another. And so Jesus also calls us to humility. So he, he's calling us to set down our pride and pick up his humility. So I'm going to try my best to kind of offend all of us this morning, uh, because sometimes we need an offensive fire to be lit under us to get us moving and, and remove us from our, our prideful seat. So let's look at this passage real quick and, and unpack it. Verse 1 says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? To make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Well, Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for those that you've brought out here. I, I ask that you would uh, anoint my words, that my words would, would be your words, Lord, and that you would pierce our hearts, um, all of ours, including mine this morning, that you would bring conviction um, to our hearts and our minds and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think for every week that we've been going through the series, uh, whether it's Darren that's preaching or, or me, um, I think we've mentioned that this book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was sitting in prison. He was writing to this church in Philippi. And I think it's important that we continue to mention that every week because we need to know 
where Paul was while he was writing this letter. We need to know what his heart for this church was that he was writing to. And so what we see from Paul, uh, all the way from chapter 1 through chapter 2, is that he is encouraging the believers at this church to be unified, to be of one spirit. Now, we don't particularly know if there was any division going on in the church or, or if it was, he was just simply warning the church what happens when we let pride come in uh, because pride will divide people and churches. And pride has everything to do with division. Pride and selfishness is at the very root of all division in a church, in relationships, and frankly, pride is the root of all the sin in our lives. So I love this kind of rhetorical question that that Paul poses in in verse 1. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort in his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Because it seems so obvious, like, of course there's encouragement from belonging with Jesus. Like, we're saved, we're, we know we're, that our, our future is set in stone. Like, that should be encouraging to us. So obviously there's encouragement. Obviously, like, we have a common bond together through the Spirit. Of course God has softened our hearts towards him and towards others. So why does Paul ask such a seemingly ridiculous question? I think it's because pride will break any and all of these ties. Does that sound a little extreme? If it does, then that's how easy we can be deceived. And I think that's why why Paul follows up his question with, with an answer that's kind of an exhortation into action. He says in verse 2, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one, with one mind and one purpose. Do you guys realize how important it is for us to work together with, with one mind and one purpose in this church? In Matthew 12, Jesus says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. So I'm going to talk to the husbands and wives for a second, or anyone who has been married. Have you ever been in a place of totally opposing views? I'm not talking about opposing views. <laughs> Uh-oh, going to get some of you in trouble. <laughs> I'm not talking about like opposing views of what restaurant to go to or you know, just little things that aren't a big deal. I'm talking about, about stuff that is, is major issues that are kind of make it or break it issues. And eventually... It's not one of you that needs to put down your pride. It's both of you need to put down your pride in order to make things work and to come to a compromise. And you know what? Sometimes there are these kind of small, seemingly insignificant things that are really only molehills, but we turn them into huge mountains uh, when we let pride fester. And that's really no different with us here as the church. And I'm not talking about just Signal Church. I'm talking about the, the worldwide church. Um, but, but we are here at Signal, and so this is the church that we are responsible for. Um, so we need to make sure that we don't allow pride to come into our hearts and cause divisions here. 
because mountains have valleys. Valleys are the divisions between mountains. So we need to take whatever mountains we already have and make them into molehills. Well, I was doing some studying this week. I, I heard a story um, of a church somewhere here in New England. I'm not sure where it was. I don't know the name of the church. Um, the, the story didn't provide that, which is good. There's that cricket. <laughs> uh, and so anyways, it was probably a Baptist church because they did a lot of potluck dinners. And, uh, and one of their things that they were known for was, it's kind of weird, but they had ham and, what was it, ham ham and, uh, and bean dinners. It's like kind of a weird thing, but that was, that, that was their thing. Uh, so at one of these ham and bean dinners, one of the deacons there got a smaller slice of ham. Now, I need to preface this by saying this is a vibrant church. This is a church that is growing, it's doing really well, people are passionate, and so this one deacon gets a piece of ham that's smaller than all the rest of the deacons. Big mistake. The uproar that ensued after that literally caused a division, a split, and ultimately the church to fail and to close. And it sounds so ridiculous. And obviously there were some other underlying issues going on that was greater than a piece of ham. But that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, take your eyes off of yourself, put them on Jesus and the mission of the church. Uh, Seth, if you're in here. Seth. He's, he's out in the green room. Hey, Seth, do you have your in-ears in? <laughs> well, I'm going to, whenever Seth comes up here, I'm going to have him give us a little example if he's here. No, that's okay. Forget that. Um, so th there's a, a popular saying that we probably all heard at one time or another, and that is pride comes before the fall. And that's not true. Pride is the fall. And everything else that follows that is just destruction. This saying comes from a kind of misquoted verse from the book of Proverbs 16, 18. What the verse actually says is pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. You know, it's important that we understand who the author... Oh, hey, Seth, you're back. All right, we'll get back to this. I need to have Seth do this real quick because I need to show you guys what we sound like as a church, what we sound like as families when we cause division and when pride sets in. So I'm going to have Seth, hey, Kevin, if you can put the keys on, I'm going to have Seth play a really nasty dissonant note or chord. Make it as gross as you can. Make it grosser. Can you can you do grosser? Nice. <laughs> I, I almost could have done that. Thank you, Seth. But, <laughs> but that's what we sound like as a church when we have divisions and we have these little like petty arguments that make that they don't have anything to do with furthering our mission here. And we we could be a beautiful chord, we could be a beautiful note, but when we allow a pride to get in the way. That's what we sound like. It is no good. 
All right, so, so going back to, um, let's look at that verse again, um, Proverbs 16, 18. What it actually says is, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So it's important that we understand who the author of pride is and who the author of humility is. And we're going to get to humility in a minute here. See, pride comes from none other than Satan or the devil or Beelzebub or whatever name you want to put on that nasty thing. Satan started out as a, a created angel living in heaven, worshiping God. He was actually the, the worship leader uh, in heaven. And he, he became jealous of the worship that God was getting. And he set himself to say, I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. And so pride welled up in, in his heart, and, and ultimately God kicked him out of heaven and then we see the devil show up here on earth in Genesis chapter 3 where uh, he is tempting Adam and Eve. And, and the first tempta- temptation that he gave them was the temptation of pride. He challenged what God had said about them and basically was saying that God was withholding information from them uh, with this tree of knowledge and, and of good and evil. And if they just ate the fruit from that tree, then they would be like God. So they didn't want to be missing out, and pride entered their hearts, and ultimately sin entered the world and got passed down to every single person to ever live after them, and it was all because of pride. Pride caused the greatest division between mankind and God. So what is our solution? Uh, What is the antidote to our pride? Well, Jesus, of course, But with Jesus comes the spirit of humility. And I I think we need to define humility so that we are kind of all on the same page of what that looks like. Because I think a lot of times that definition could be kind of muddled in our own interpretation of it. So we can define, define, we could also define humility. We could define humility as not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, rather thinking of yourself less. And we see this play out in verse 4 where Paul is saying, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. See, we have to have consideration for ourselves too, but we also have to have consideration for other people because we can't just forsake ourselves um, because then that causes us to live this unbalanced life and it can actually be a form of false humility. And even false humility, I think, can be a form of pride. Um, you know, what, what would be an example of false humility? That's just degrading yourself, saying, you know, I'm no good. A lot of us can fall into that trap, um, especially if we, we struggle with things like depression and anxiety and, you know, these, these thoughts that tell us that we're less than what God says about us. Um, but that can even be a form of pride where we lower ourselves and we think less of ourselves. So we have to have consideration for ourselves also. Um, look, look at Jesus. Uh, he is the walking example of humility. And we see Jesus tending to the needs of other people on a regular basis. He would, but he'd also get away from the crowds for a while and go and be by himself. Or we see him going everywhere and doing everything with his 12 disciples, but then there'd be times when he would he would take time to just be with his three closest disciples um, to develop a, a further relationship with, with those three. 
And I've noticed even in my own life, this is stuff that I can struggle with, where I can get like so focused on doing things for other people and serving other people. And like that's like, I feel like that's my main goal and mission in life is to always be doing things for other people, whether it's here or outside here at my job. But I don't take time for myself. And this is something that really convicted me uh, this week studying this. I'm like, man, this isn't good. This is a form of pride that I have in my life where I feel like I need to be always doing something for other people and not tending to my own needs. And uh, it's not good. So on on a bigger scale, Jesus leaves his place in heaven, comes here to earth to live as a man, to endure some of the most hurtful betrayal that anyone could have by his closest friends, die the most horrific death, take on himself the sins of the whole world, rise again three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave forever. I can't think of anything more humbling. You know, I think the, the movie The Passion of the Christ does a pretty good job of depicting this, although I don't think that it was even close to what Jesus endured. And there are a lot of people that say, oh, I can't watch that movie. It's too gruesome. It's too much. It's too... But, like, you have to watch it. You have to know what you cost. If we can't look at that because it's so horrific, that's sad because, again, this isn't even an accurate depiction of what Jesus went through for us. Like, we have to understand what we cost. And I think we would take our spiritual walk a little bit more seriously if we actually knew what we cost Jesus. It's a big deal. You know, I I think in our our own lives, God has a way, and he's really good at it, of breaking our pride. Have you ever had God break you? If not, I hope he does. And I'm not being mean or harsh. I'm just saying that if pride has its grip on you, then I pray and I hope that God breaks you and fills you with humility. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It, it looks different for different people. Uh, I know what it looked like for me. But when God breaks you, he doesn't leave you there. He, he actually rebuilds you, and he'll shake out the things that need to be shaken out. And in return, that, that not only makes you stronger in your personal life, it also makes us as the church stronger because we're not bringing a prideful heart into this place which will cause division. You know, the, the, pride, the prideful person will walk into a room and say, here I am. While the person with humility says, there you are. How can I help you? It's not, it's not all about me. It's about others. Now, if you guys don't remember anything else from this morning, aside from maybe the cricket, which has settled down. Thank you. Uh, just remember this pride will always divide while humility will always cause unity I try to make that simple to remember a little bit of a rhyme scheme in there pride will always divide while humility will always create unity now I I saw this kind of come to play out a little bit um, a few years ago I I used to do some freelance audio work for uh, a buddy of mine his video production company, and, and he had the contract for uh, UConn Sports for about five years. 
So anything that you saw on TV or on web videos that was UConn sport related, he shot that. So uh, I was doing a, a job with him and um, we were doing uh, a promo for the UConn women's team uh, before they were potentially going to win their 11th championship, which unfortunately they didn't win that one. Uh, but they had 10 rings under their belt. And uh, so we can, you can watch it on YouTube, it's still on there. I think it was something called like Lord of the Rings, not the movie, but uh, it, it was basically this, this uh, kind of office style docu like mockumentary uh, video um, of Gino and his asso associate coach uh, and their, their 10 rings. They were wearing all their 10 rings and you know, it's them trying to like go through the normal day. It was, it, it was ridiculous. Like, he can get his like, hands in his pockets because the rings are in the way. He can't type on keyboards because the rings are in the way. He's like having like arm fatigue because his rings weigh so much. And uh, it, was, it was so ridiculous, but the two of them are just walking around with 10 rings on their fingers. And uh, so I don't know where Gino's heart is, but it was interesting to spend time with this guy who has so much that he could be prideful about. He has 10 rings that he even said to us, I don't even care about these. They're not, I don't wear a single one of them. They're not in some like glass case somewhere. They sit in his drawer. And he goes to all these after parties after they win a championship and everyone wants to see the ring. And he's like, I, I don't care. Like this is not what I do this for. I do it for the girls and for them to have uh, a good experience playing basketball and to be successful. He doesn't care about what this looks like for him. And it was really cool to just see this guy that you would think would have any reason to have something to boast about, and he didn't even care about what that looked like in his own life. And it, it just always stood out to me about him. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Hey, Seth, are you there? <laughs> um, and while they just come up and, and play a little bit, I just want to ask you guys a couple questions. Because I hope that God is convicting you this morning and I want you to think, what are some ways that God is revealing pride in your own heart? How is pride actually wrecking your relationships? How is it wrecking relationships with people in your home? How is it wrecking relationships with people even maybe here? How could you set down some of your pride to better serve this church? How can you make it so that coming to church isn't all about you? It should be about others, and ultimately it should be about Jesus. It's, it's not about what you necessarily get out of things here. It's about giving Jesus something. It's about giving him your heart. It's about giving him an hour or an hour and a half of a Sunday morning. Do, do some of your preferences maybe get in the way of the mission of our church here, which is to help others find and to follow Jesus? Maybe, maybe your slice of ham is too small. In other words, are, are you jealous of others? Are you maybe jealous of some of their talents or callings or giftings? Maybe, maybe even material things. Are you, are you jealous of people's material things? Or have you set yourself up to destroy other people because of selfish ambition? And just think for a moment, how do you see J Jesus 
shaping your humility, and making you more like him. So just take a few minutes. I'm going to have the worship team lead us soon here, but just take a couple minutes and, and just think through these things. Let the Holy Spirit um, convict you of pride in your own heart and then give it to him and ask him to replace that pride with humility.